0: According to Luke. We are back in Luke. We took a break from Luke when we did a special patriotic message if you were here a couple weeks ago. Luke chapter 9, we've arrived at chapter 9 verses 1 to 6 and then also verse 10. We're going to hit the passage that's in the middle at the end and you'll see why it's not here at the beginning and we'll come back and touch on it in a few weeks. You'll see why, how it all fits beautifully together. The title of today's message is Inspired Internship. You're familiar with inspiration and you're familiar with internship, but how these two fit together, let me explain briefly. This is the official or formal, if you will, program to provide practical experience for the beginners in now a brand new occupation the disciples had been called. The first calling, they had been called by God. They had been raised by God from death to light. They had been called. And now we're at about the halfway point of the ministry of Jesus. About. And they've been in training. But if you have a bulletin, look on the front. And look on the front of the bulletin and you find four words. And those four words go like this gather, grow, give, and go. Do you know why? because that's exactly what we're called to do we're called to gather which is what we're doing right now we have gathered here gathering here to do what to grow and then we grow to do what to give we give of our time our talent and our treasure And then ultimately what's the most important thing that we do we go we can't stay here inside these walls this is not the church you are the church the church of Jesus Christ goes out we go out to the world and we bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the world and to be a part of a church that does that, is committed to that, we are just we are so thankful. So, this is happening now in this passage for the very first time. They have never been sent out; they have been in training. Now it's time. Ready? Luke nine one to six and verse ten. Hear now the word of God when. Jesus had called the twelve together. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave the town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Down to verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. May God add his rich blessing to his inspired and infallible and word. Pray with me. Father, it's no accident we're here this morning, everyone, by divine appointment. We are in the middle of the summer here in South Florida. And you have drawn every single one of us to your house this day to receive your word. Meet us in our deepest place of need. Make it a word of salvation for the unsaved. And, Lord, we always Always expect some in your house who have never bowed the knee to Jesus and many by way of the internet who have never prayed to receive Christ. They have never received the invitation. Make this the day of salvation for them. And Father, for those in the midst of storm winds, make it a word of comfort and peace. And for those who are tired and weary and heavy laden, a word of rest. All things to all people that some might be saved. Come now, fount of every blessing. Unclutter our minds and unburden our hearts that we might see Jesus in him only. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Three headings, very simply. In a very straightforward narrative. Three headings. Number one, under inspired internship, the Messiah. He's the one responsible for this internship, and he's the one responsible for sending them out. We'll take a look at him in just a moment. Number two, what was their mission? What was the mission that they were given by the Messiah? And finally, what was his method? Hopefully you'll learn something in the method today. We want to be clear. There's a couple things when we come to Scripture. We want to see what the Scripture says and what it does not say. We want to make sure that we don't misinterpret the Scripture. And I'm going to show that to you and show you how easy it is to do that and how many have done that in this passage. So the Messiah, the mission, and his method. Ready? Let's head out into deep water, shall we? And let our nets down for a catch. Number one, under the heading Messiah, Luke 9, 1, Jesus called the twelve together. Pause. Seems strange. Weren't they together? Well, they were, but they weren't always together. Some had homes and some had families and some had businesses. But now now it's time. So they've been walking with the Lord Jesus Christ and, and they have been watching him and they have been listening to him. Never, never has any one of the disciples preached a sermon. Never has one of the disciples performed a miracle. They have been in training. But what does the Word of God tell us? Do not just be hearers of the Word, but also be... Doers of the word. You you, you have to take the word out and and, and deliver the word. So Jesus says, we're at about the halfway point. Time for you to get your feet wet. So he calls the 12 together. We'll talk about 12 in a moment. It's instructive. We've unpacked it before. We'll be very brief today. He gave them power, power, power. We get our English word "dynamite" from the Greek word "Dunamos. power. What did we learn in Romans? What is, what is, what is "Dunamos in Romans one? It is the power. The word of God is the power of God unto salvation. The power is not in the preacher. The power is not in the preaching. The power is in the word. See, that's why all of us have been sent. Well, I I don't have real gifts in speaking and and eloquence, and I've never been to seminary, and I've never. None of that matters. You have Him. You have this power that He has given to you, this dynamite that is in you. So he, he, He gives them power, but imagine having power, but no authority. That happens often in the workplace. Somebody has power to do certain things, but no authority to do it. So, no, no, Jesus puts the two together and he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. Look at it this way power is in the person, but authority is in the position. Jesus has both. In the person and the position of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have both power and we have authority. And Jesus now gives that to them. Fast forward 2,000 plus years. He's given that to you as well. Both power and both both authority. Why 12? We'll be brief. We've unpacked this. Why not 8? Why not 16? Why not 24? Why 12? 12 was the symbolic judgment on apostate Israel. What does that mean? Much of Israel had turned their backs on the Lord's Messiah. So Jesus chooses 12 and it is significant and symbolic of the judgment now that is upon apostate Israel. It doesn't mean that all of Israel had turned from God. God always has a remnant. You remember Nicodemus who came at night and Joseph of Arimathea. You remember Zechariah in the temple. There's always a remnant of God. But for the most part, they had turned away from God. And don't we have to ask the question, he chose 12. But in that 12, we find no rabbi, no Pharisee. We find no scribe. No religious leader. These are 12 ordinary men. Israel has been judged. How do we know? Beyond any shadow of a doubt. Matthew 19, 28. At the renewal, Jesus says, of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones, judging The 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, there's the key in understanding this 12 and why there was only 12. Now let's deal a little bit more deeply with the authority which encompasses the power of Jesus and that he now is handing that off to his disciples. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, in John 1, 5, he was the light of the world. Now there's 12 more lights. Twelve, but now today how many? However many there are of you. Millions of lights all over the world who have been raised from death to life to do what? Shine the light of Christ in a lost and dark and broken world. Here's the first twelve that are now being sent out. The crowds now, Matthew 7, were amazed at his teaching He taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Immediately, there's a separation between Jesus and the religious leaders. Why? There's an authority that he has that they don't possess. They don't have it. And the the average common individual knows it. He taught with an authority unlike we have ever seen. We've never heard. What was he teaching? He wasn't teaching anything new. He's teaching out of the Old All they had was the Old Testament. He's teaching out of the, the, the Torah. He's teaching out of the prophets and the writings. He's teaching out of the Hebrew Bible. The scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders were teaching out of the Hebrew Bible. They all taught the same thing. But his teaching was different. Why? He was different. He, he was the Messiah, he was the anointed one, he was the one who was promised, the Ancient of Days, who had both power and authority. Matthew 21, 23. This is what irks them. They're st- See, they, they misunderstood the light thing. They wanted the light to shine on them. They didn't realize they were to be shining the light on God and on God's Messiah. They so now Jesus shows up and he starts stealing their light. People are starting to pay more attention to Jesus than them. And what do they say? Check this out. By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? We didn't give it to you. You haven't studied under us. You didn't come from the school of Gamaliel. You haven't done what we have done. Who are you? By what authority do you teach these things? And who gave it to you? Well, you understand this, this battle that's raging, and you understand what's happening now. So finally, in Matthew 28, 18, here's what brings us all together. Are you ready? Jesus came to them and said, "...all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." Therefore, go and do what? Say it. Make disciples. When people ask you about your church, if you're in the community, and they say, okay, "...tell me a little bit about your church. What is your church all about?" Tell me what your church does and what their focus is and what's your your pastor all about. You only tell them two words. What's two words? Making disciples. Say it with me. Making disciples. That's all we're called to do. So some people say to me, no, 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 pastor. You misunderstood the scriptures. Have I? Have I? School me. Well, you know, that was for that time for those apostles. Was it now? So then I say, riddle me this, Batman. Riddle me this. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, I send you out to go and make disciples, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, on the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Stay with me. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Circle back around to the front of the Great Commission. What did God command? Go therefore and make what. Who is the call for? Say everyone. Everyone. Sometimes we have a tendency to think, well, that's the pastor's job. That's our job. And it's an incredible privilege we've been given to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's for all of us to do. You don't need a degree. You don't some people say, well, I'm just concerned. I don't have answers. I don't have answers either. But I have Him. And I leave it up to him to sort it out. Remember, our job is to simply plant and water. God will supply the increase. So this is for all of us to go. The Messiah. Number two, what was their mission? Listen, this is clear. Got to be careful on the mission. Sometimes these pulpits are filled with some crazy messages. Listen to the mission. And he sent them out. To preach what? To preach pop psychology? No. Political rhetoric? No. Personal felt needs? No. The kingdom of God. And to heal the sick. Sent out. The Greek word apostolos, to be sent out. You, me, we have all been sent out to do what? To preach the kingdom of God. We don't get a vote. You don't get to figure out what you want to tell somebody when you go speak to them. Or in a pulpit in a church where we're going we're to do a series on that. There's a time and a place to teach all of that other stuff. But the pulpit is designed to teach one thing. The kingdom of God. That is all that I have been commissioned to do. It is my... And remember what we've talked about. I have one goal in teaching the kingdom of God. That's depth. And we leave the breath up to God. And is God pleased to expand the reach of this church? Look what just happened in Honduras. God is sending this church out all over the world. Why? Because I'm focused on one thing, depth. I've got one to drive the roots deep into the soil of the sanctified life. To get you ready. And we're all ready. To go do what God has called us to do. To preach the good news of Jesus Christ. So we sent him to preach a specific message. And it's the same message today. It's never changed. What did Jesus preach? Let's just be clear so that we can confirm it. I must proclaim. Remember Luke chapter 4. We've already unpacked it. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. That is why I was sent. What was he sent to preach? The kingdom of God. Yes, he taught about finance. And yes, he taught about marriage. And yes, he taught about all of those things. But it was rooted in the kingdom of God. So if you're visiting and you haven't heard some of these messages, just to clearly put the kingdom in a very simple formula, there's a couple pieces to it. Real simple. What is the kingdom? Number one, and most importantly, it's a king. There's a real king. Who is it? Jesus. There's a real king. Remember when Jesus stood up to preach his first message in his hometown? And he gets handed the scroll of Isaiah chapter 61. He goes to 61. And what does he say? What does he say? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I have been anointed to what? To set the captives free. And how does he close? Today in your hearing, this has been fulfilled. And they stood and they cheered. No. No. They tried to take him outside the town to throw him off the cliff. That's what they did. From his first message. The king has come. That's the very first thing we preach. You know, I hear some sermons, I never hear anything about the king. Not a word. But sometimes we get to the very end and somebody then says, we'd love you to take this time to receive Jesus. Who? Who's that? Never heard a word about him. Not a single word about the king. So if there's a king, it has to be what? Kingdom. Kingdom is next. It's got to be a kingdom. What's the kingdom of God? It's everything. It's everything from the very beginning. What was the very beginning? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the kingdom of God. In the very beginning, what what was the call for Adam and Eve? The call for Adam and Eve was to expand the borders of their lives to the boundaries of God's kingdom. It went everywhere. Then sin entered and everything changed. And they shrunk the size of their lives down to the size of their lives. Now when you are raised from death to life, what is your calling? To expand the kingdom of God. To go out now. Your life now expands to the borders of God's kingdom. And how far does that go? As far as the eye can see. All of it is God's. So now we take the message back out to the world because there is a king and a kingdom. Now, you've heard the phrase already and not yet in the most simplistic way because I don't, sometimes those phrases confuse me. What does it mean already and not yet? The kingdom is already here. Yes, So sometimes people say, well, I know it's in my heart. No, it's not just in your heart. That, that's not that. Yes, it is. It starts there. But that's not it. That's not enough. The kingdom of God is already here. The kingdom of God has already been established. Satan has been defeated. Death has been conquered. The grave is empty because Jesus got up and walked out. Sin no longer reigns, but it still remains now what is the kingdom of God? Already it's here, but it's not fully consummated. And you pray it every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, don't you? Right. On earth as it is in... That's our prayer. One day we hope for that to take place, and it will when he returns. But until that day, we're in the not yet. It's not yet fully consummated. So his rule and his reign, you still see some bad stuff going on because it's not complete yet. Okay, But after the kingdom, what do we have? We have kingdom law. Got to have law. Got to have authority. And under the law, what do we have? We have kingdom loyal subjects. So now, how do you put it together? You've been raised from death to life. How do you live? You live according to the law. The law that governs the way you behave in the kingdom for the glory of the king. Got it? There it is. That's how we preach. So when you hear a sermon, what should you hear? You should hear about the king, you should hear about the kingdom, the kingdom law, and the kingdom moral subjects. How do we become subjects in the kingdom of God? We are raised from death to life. God's grace shows up and changes us from the inside out. We receive by grace, through faith, the truth of the gospel. That's the kingdom of God. Okay? How do we close this portion? Don't miss this. This is a very important message, and I'll tie it up at the very end to show you. The gospel meets spiritual. You know that the gospel meets spiritual needs, right? But do you know that some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? No, That's a true statement. The gospel doesn't just meet spiritual needs. The gospel meets physical needs. How do we know that? Let me make it real practical and let's just look at the scripture real quickly without no screen, just you and me. Jesus, he, he, remember that thing he did on that water? Remember he walked on that water? That was a cool trick, wasn't it? Right? He walked on the water, right? If he wanted to, couldn't he have just flown through the air? No, 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 no. He could, he could have flown around Galilee and could have flown into Jerusalem and, and occasionally could have called a little fire down from heaven, right? He stopped the winds and the waves. He did that one. That was a neat trick. He did that one, right? Be still. Faster than a speed, Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a loaf, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. He would have done all that would have been enough to prove to us he was the Messiah. Yes? Ah, but he decided not to do it that way. Why? Because he had a heart of compassion for you. So he gave the blind man sight. And he called the lame man to get up and walk. And the poor woman who bled for 12 years and touched the hem of his garment, the bleeding stopped. Why? His heart was broken because of what sin had done to people. That's your God. That's your Jesus. That's your king. He didn't have to do any of those miracles. They were unnecessary Walking on water would have been enough for me. I'm in. I'm in. Flying around Jerusalem. I'm in. Why bring Lazarus out of the tomb but weep before he does? Why? Because his heart was broken because of the brokenness of this world. That's your king. Don't ever don't ever leave the gospel at the spiritual level. Don't. That's the most important. I get it. But it meets physical needs and it's still meeting those needs today. What do you think those children at our little roses? What do you think they're thinking about right now? Right now what are they thinking about? All of you I wish they were here. I miss them already and you miss them all. And your heart is already breaking. Why? Cuz it meets physical needs. That's the king. And finally. What's his method? This is where it gets squirrely. People have messed this one up, but I'm going to show you how to fix it. Watch. Luke 9, 3 to 6. He told them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money. Uh, listen, th- this is confusing unless you're reading all of Scripture, and I'm going to show you the problem of many people today. Here's what I want you to look at. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. I want you to picture that as a brick. That's a Scripture version, it's on a brick. I want you to picture that brick is inside of a brick wall, and the brick wall is all of Scripture. Okay, so you have a brick that's a verse and you pull that brick out and you read it and you go, oh, this is a call to poverty. We're not to have anything. No staff, I can't even protect myself. No bag, no bag from, No bread, no money, no tu- no, not even an extra tunic. This is a call to poverty. And then you put the brick back in the wall and you say, okay, that's it. That's what we're all called to. Well, the mistake is you, you took the brick out and you interpreted the brick, but you didn't do it in light of The entire passage, the chapter, the book, and all of Scripture. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. This was a call specific to them. And whether or not they would depend totally on Jesus. You're taking nothing. All you have is me. Let me make something perfectly clear. You will never know Jesus is all that you need until Jesus is all that you have. And he's, listen to me, he's preparing them because the day is coming when that's all they'll have is Jesus. They'll have no bag. They're getting ready to crucify Peter, and Peter remembers that day. All I have is Jesus. Hey, guys, before you nail me to the cross, turn it upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. They got it. They understood what it meant to depend wholly on Jesus. Stay with me. Luke twenty two thirty five. 35. What does he say? Jesus, we'll get, we'll get to that later at the end of Luke if the Lord leaves me alive long enough. If not, you're on your own. But if we get to chapter 22, verse 35, we'll fully unpack it. But here it is for you right now. When I sent you without a purse and a bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing. They answered. This was... This was training. Will you depend upon me? Will you trust in me alone? I know you're going to feel uncomfortable. I I know you're going to feel like you need some. I'm all you need. Just go in my strength. I've given you power. I've given you a, just go. And they went. But how do we go? The very next verse. Watch. That's why you can't take take a brick out of the wall. Put the brick back in. Learn that one in seminary. Put the brick back in. Don't do violence to the text. What's the next verse say? Ready? Here it is. This one's for you. But now, if you have a purse, take it. And also a bag, take that too. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. You understand the message? That was a training lesson. It was an object lesson for the disciples. I've trained you for a year and a half. I'm sending you out on inspired internship. Are you ready to go? Go. Well, we need to... No, 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 no. Go. Well, I'd like to get us to... Go. Get out. I can imagine the 12 of them going, Man, he was a little testy, wasn't he? And they're walking down the road like this. Nothing. I get... What's going to... Man... He seemed like he was a little anxious, but we know he wasn't because anxiety is a sin. He wasn't anxious. He, but but what, what They got it. All we have is him. That's all we need. What's the message? You don't need any more preparation to go tell them about him. You know how many people I talk to say, I'm just not ready. Why? What are you waiting for? You're gonna be dead soon. That's true. Even if you lived another hundred years, it's still soon. In the light of eternity, what are we? You know how many people? You know what they do? You know what they do? They're always in a state of what we call preparation. So, so, so they, so they get in and they, and they get ready. Aim, 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 aim. 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 They're lame. Well, all the aiming, fire the thing. Pull the trigger. Well, I don't know what to say. You don't need to know what to say. He already said he'd give you the words to say. Just go tell him about Jesus and let God take care of the rest But go the way God has prepared you, and we're all different. Some have a lot, some have a little. It doesn't matter what you have. Remember what I've told you about possessions. It's not what you possess. It's what possesses you. So if you're held captive by your stuff, you need to get rid of some of that stuff. But God gives us stuff to use. We needed stuff from you to go to Honduras. So God blesses his people to be used to do what? To expand the cause of his kingdom for the glory of the king. Okay? Clear? That's how it all fits together. Verse 4, don't miss this. Stay in your house that you enter until you leave. It was a common practice of the false preachers. You know why they would go from house to house to house? Because they'd wear out their welcome real quick and they'd beg everywhere they went. So Jesus says, no, you're going to go to one house So, I can imagine they're walking down the road together, all 12 of them, and they're saying, Man, I hope I get into the right house. (laughs) Because once we get in, we're stuck. And I get the bad house, you get the good house. Oh, man. No, let's be practical. And they're all thinking, and I'm sure they're eyeing and looking at the house and going, Okay, I got that one. I'm going to that one. That one looks pretty good. I'm going away. So, all 12 of them got to go somewhere and they got to stay there. No begging. God ordained the house. What's the message? God ordained the next person he's putting in front of you that you're supposed to tell about Jesus. Will you tell him? Verse 5. Oh, there's a very practical part of this verse here, and I'm just going to tell you about it. And I think it'll meet you in a very special place. It did the people last night and at 9 this morning. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off of your feet. When you leave their town as a testimony against them, the pious Jews back in the ancient world, when they would come out of Gentile territory, before they would enter into the commonwealth of Israel, they would dust, they truly would dust themselves off. They would shake the dust from their feet. Okay, now, Jesus tells them to do, now, I want to ask you this question. You, you have a, 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 a dinner party at your house and you invite guests over to your house and you entertain and you feed them dinner and you fellowship and it's time to go and you walk them all to the front door and they go outside of the door but as they're leaving each one stops at your welcome mat and goes like this on the way out They didn't even have to say anything to you because when you closed the door, you and the mistress went, what was that? They're wiping their feet on the way out. That can't be a good thing. What does that mean? The thing you wipe your feet going in. No, no. He says wipe them going out. Why? Judgment. Now, now, don't take that so far and say, okay, that you can determine who you're going to judge and, and no, 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 so you go, all right, I'm wiping my feet of you. Don't do that. Don't do that. Keep praying for them, but move on. God says, move on. The harvest is plenty. The work, workers are few. Keep moving. Keep praying for that person. Let, leave that up to God. But keep moving. So that's, that's judgment against them. And um, verse 6, they set out. And went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. And then, of course, Mark 16, 15 tells us what? Go into all the world, every part of the world, and tell them about Jesus. Preach the gospel to all creation. How do we close? Real simple. Verse 10. Here it is. When the apostles returned, this is the formula for you. And if we don't follow the formula, you know what happens? We end up getting things messed up. And we end up doing things we ought not to do, and we end up... Causing the Gentile to blaspheme the kingdom. We do some bad stuff. The apostles returned and they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew to a town called Bethsaida. Want to see the formula? Here's, here's Here's your missionary formula. You ready? Number one, you receive. So the apostles received the word. They had been taught for a year and a half. Then you respond. What does that mean? You have to go and do something with it. That gospel is not for you now. That gospel is to be shared. You're supposed to be a con- listen. You know the difference between a conduit and a cul-de-sac, right? You get in a cul-de-sac and it kind of and, and it ends. You got to turn back around and come back. You're not a cul-de-sac. You're a conduit. The gospel flows through you. It doesn't stop with you. That thing is supposed to keep rolling. It's flowing through you. So you have to respond to the command. Then what? Then you have to return. You can't just keep going. Listen, there's no Energizer bunnies in the kingdom of God. They keep going and going, and you can't do it. you got to return. And then what? you got to report. That's why a lot of times you see the Lord sends them out two by two, and we do it as teams, and we talk about that, and we get to share the experiences. But remember, can you imagine how excited Jesus must have been when they returned? It's called a divine debriefing. And they got to tell them all about what had happened on their missionary journey. So we report to him. We get on our knees and we thank God. All of those who went to Honduras are, are telling the Lord, I'm sure on the flight back, just, just telling him, Thank you for what you did. Thank you for the privilege you gave me to use me in this way. So you report, you always report. It's, it's important to report. And then what? Don't miss this. We're, they're not going back to Honduras tonight. They need to go home and they need to rest and they need to recharge. So Jesus, they withdrew with Jesus. Jesus teaches us that. He he tells us there's a time and a season for everything. You can't keep going. So you withdraw, and then you recharge, and then you go back and you do it again, and you receive, and you respond, and you return, and you report, and you recharge. That's the formula. It never goes away. It stays the same. So I told you we would touch the passage. Here it is. And it's only one line we're going to look at because this is the key in closing this message today. Take a look. Luke 9, 7 to 9. Herod was perplexed. Okay? He's troubled. Because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. Others, that Elijah had appeared. Still others, that a prophet of long ago had come back to life. But he said, I I beheaded John. he's not back. And what's this Elijah thing? Well, remember in the beginning of Luke that the forerunner of Jesus would go in the spirit of Elijah. Jesus confirmed, not Elijah himself is coming back. No, no, Jesus confirmed that John went in the spirit of Elijah. The power and the authority of Elijah. That's what John went. So he's perplexed. And what does he ask? Here it is. Who then? Is this man I hear such things about? Who? It's the most important question you can ever ask. If you've never asked that question, many of you have asked and it's been answered. And you're in the kingdom of God. And you're loyal subjects to the king. But someone right here, and certainly by way of the internet, you have never asked, who then is this man? Well, today you've heard about him you've heard he's the anointed one he's the king of kings and the lord of lords he is the lamb of god who has come not just to take away the sins of the world but your sin right now in this moment because this moment is a time of invitation so will you come to christ by grace through will you come to christ not an emotional response But having been drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart today, will you come to Christ? Outstretched arms and nail-scarred hands, he says, come. Come just as you are. Don't worry about getting cleaned up. Don't worry about getting right. I'll take care of all that. You come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, you know that rest has two parts. The first part is, is, is right now, everyday rest from what? Your self-salvation project. You don't have to save yourself anymore. You know how many people tell me, you know, I'm just trying to be good. stop. Do you have any idea how bad you really are? And if you don't know, ask some people who know you real well. Go talk to them. People think they can get this thing fixed by doing some good things. Well, I, I, I give my, my, my time and my talent and my treasure, and, I, I'm, and I'm working on No. You have to trust in Jesus alone. He paid the price. He's opened the door. And he invites you in. Will you come? Will you come to Christ? Tomorrow, it may be too late. Tonight, it may be too late. Come now. Now is a moment of salvation. Come. Cry out to Jesus. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And salvation is yours this day. Pray with me. Father, right now, everyone in this room who is a believer will pray right now with me. Hearts united. Hearts united beating as one, we ask anyone who has never considered who then is this man, we ask that they pray these words now with us. God, I heard about this Jesus today. I understand now the content of this gospel that there is indeed a king and his name is Jesus Christ. And this king stepped down from a throne Entered into this world, went to a cross, and died in my place. But three days later, walked out of the grave. And I pray now, O God, walk into my heart. Let this be a moment of salvation for all those. All those who by grace through faith will trust this day. And forevermore in Christ Alone. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. May that be the confession of every person who hears my voice. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.